0: This is a 980 CKNW podcast. I just took a look out the window. We do get a pretty good view up here of the Vancouver Sun Run. It is now underway. Runners uh, getting uh, across the start line. Sometimes that can be the longest part of the race, is just getting across the uh, start line of the race but a lot of people are out there this morning and good luck to everybody taking part in the Sun Run what a beautiful day 9 degrees it is sunny i can hear the music even coming up from the race itself so good luck to everybody taking part in the Sun Run and you know there will be some road closures. So we will keep you up to date in the the, uh, traffic reports on that. It's pretty busy downtown. If you're not partaking in the race or you don't need to be driving downtown, you might want to avoid the area for the next uh, little bit as the racers make their way through the streets, uh, running 10K in uh, this uh, huge event that is held every year. All right, we are going to shift gears now and talk a little bit about... uh, The ongoing, well, it is the BC Book Prizes. These are the annual BC Book Prizes. And we've been bringing on the various authors nominated in the Ethel Wilson Fiction Prize. Some interesting books that are up for the big book prize. And as I mentioned, once we have talked to everybody in this category, we are going to be giving away a book prize prize for you. And that is a copy of all of the books. So one big bin of books will go to one lucky listener. But we're doing that giveaway next. Sunday, So that's when you will get a chance to uh, put your name in, and uh, haven't figured out if we're going to do phoning in or email to win the prize, but I will let you know uh, next Sunday for sure. Uh, joining us now is Zoe Lee Peterson, the author of Next Year for Sure, one of the nominees in the Ethel Wilson Fiction Prize. And Joey, Zoe, sorry, so great to have you join us this morning.
1: Yeah, it's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you.
0: Um, talk a little bit, if you can, about the book and how it came about.
1: Well, I I was thinking a lot about loneliness. I, I'd been living in Vancouver for 20 years and felt like yeah. I, I felt lonely in my community and I saw a lot of people in my community feeling lonely as well. And I realize it's ironic to talk about a community feeling lonely but I had this really strong sense of loneliness. And as I was thinking about this, I started to think about uh, these two fictional characters, Chris and Catherine, who were also experiencing this sort of bubble of loneliness that they were in. And as I sort of played with these characters in my mind and turned them over for a couple of years, kind of thinking about them from different angles, I realized that I wanted them the two of them to sort of bumble into an open relationship and have that be the way to explore the sort of modern loneliness of adulthood.
0: <laughs> uh, and interesting, you say you, you kind of uh, dealt with the characters for a couple of years. So was that before you even started writing the story?
1: Yeah, I hadn't written a word. Um, I would barely named the characters and mostly I just walked around thinking about these two people. And they, they went through various transformations. Like, I would imagine uh, the character one way, and then I would think, oh, no, 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 I want them to be this other way. And they, they really evolved very organically for probably two years before I started writing anything.
0: And what was, the, was, there, was there a point then, or did something click that you realized, okay, now I can sit down, or now I can actually start putting words together and writing the story?
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember it very vividly. The, um, the book starts with one of the characters sort of tidying the house um, for a house sitter to come over. The two, Catherine and Chris, are going camping and they have a house sitter coming. And I was thinking about how intimate it is to have someone come house sit for you. And they're living with all your things and with your books and your records and your food. And I was just thinking about how intimate that is, um, especially if the house sitter isn't someone that you know very well, um, if it's an acquaintance, for instance. And that intimacy is what made me think, okay, this is how I get into the story, this particular moment of looking at my bookshelf and thinking, are there any books that I want to move on this bookshelf (laughs) before uh, I have a virtual stranger come stay in our house? Uh, That was the moment for sure.
0: Uh, right. I, I would imagine most, uh, if if you are in that situation where you have a house sitter, you just assume that someone has looked through your medicine cabinet when you come home. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and talk a bit about the, the point of view then. How did you decide once uh, then you started writing the story of the characters, uh, how uh, point of view and how to actually tell the story?
1: Yeah, so the, the point of view in the book alternates back and forth between Chris and Catherine. So each chapter is told um, from one person's point of view, and the way that came about is, I was really trying to avoid writing a whole novel. I, I really, I didn't really want to commit to doing that, and I kind of just wanted to write a short story. And I chose Chris's point of view to write the short story, and but when I finished the short story, a couple months went by, and I couldn't stop thinking about what was going on for Catherine because uh, we'd only seen. This world through Chris's eyes, and I thought, okay, I will write a second short story from Catherine's point of view, uh, and then when that was done, I couldn't, I still couldn't let go of it. But that's that sort of set me up to alternate between Chris's point of view and Catherine's point of view, and go back and forth between those two viewpoints.
0: And it talks about uh, it, it talks about uh, polyamory, or as uh, it says on the back, uh, one of the back write-ups, uh, non-monogamy. Uh, how difficult was it, uh, as far as uh, portraying that in a way? Because it seems to be that that's something that where people will often jump to judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, about, about that, uh, about, uh, and perhaps maybe it comes from a place of not understanding or not being interested, but how, do, how challenging was it then to portray that or present that in a way uh, that, that people weren't just jumping to, to their own ideas? I don't, I don't think
1: that was the biggest challenge, because I, like, I've been in uh, poly relationships on and off. I've also been in monogamous relationships on and off for most of my adult life, So I had a pretty clear sense of how I wanted to depict it, and I also had a pretty clear sense of, as you say, the judgments that people uh, come to polyamory with and the sort of stereotypes and assumptions and preconceptions that they have. So I had a pretty clear idea of uh, what I was up against. That part wasn't challenging, but... What I really didn't think through when I was doing that is that there are... I didn't really think about the fact that there aren't a lot of other books about polyamory. There are some, but there's not that many. And um, what I didn't really think through is that people were going to be looking at this book as being somehow definitive. And I think that Chris and Catherine are not great examples. They have not... They haven't done their homework. They didn't read a bunch of books on polyamory before they opened their relationship. I don't not even sure that they know the word polyamory. They really bumble into this and so they make a lot of mistakes and uh I didn't really think about the fact that people were going to be looking to this book as a manual on how to do it. There are much better manuals out there than this book. <laughs>
0: Well, and and I get that's an an interesting idea as well, or, or an interesting part that we might not think about. In that, if it's a topic that readers aren't all that educated in, then suddenly a, a fictional piece of work, a novel, also becomes an education guide, which it was never intended to be in the first place.
1: Yeah, this is this is true for all writers who are working like in a with a marginalized identity that. There's this expectation that you're going to represent the entire culture or the entire identity, um, which is an impossible burden for any one book or any one writer to bear. It just can't be done.
0: Uh, you, you mentioned you wrote to, as a short story; uh, it was still in your mind, so you went back to it. How long did it take you then to put the entire to write the book?
1: It took me five years. Uh, to write. And part of that's because I went to grad school in the middle and got a library science degree. Um, but it took five years from beginning to end.
0: And and were you pleased with the characters? Like you said, they kind of were bumbling along. They didn't do their research. <laughs> but but you're the one writing it. Were you pleased with how the, the characters evolved or how they turned out?
1: I was pleased. I, I was occasionally surprised. But um, on the whole, I felt like I really like these characters. I've I've watched people online, people kind of fall into two camps. There's the like Team Chris camp who are like <laughs> rooting for Chris and there's the Team Catherine. I don't see them as being in opposition to each other. I really love both of them and I think they really love and care about each other and yeah, I really am very fond of these characters. I miss them.
0: <laughs> and and are you able to explain the title without giving the book away?
1: yeah I, I think there's there's a couple layers to the title, but I think the the best thing I can say without giving anything away is that um, that expression next year for sure is something that I associate with the loneliness that I was describing, feeling like sort of in my peer group in Vancouver. But there was a lot of people saying, Uh, We should definitely get together and do such-and-such sometime. And you knew when it was being said that they really meant it sincerely, but that it probably would not actually happen um, because they have a newborn and that is consuming all their time, or they're really uh, involved in their community or their career, and they just don't have time to have those connections that you have when you're in your early 20s, and time seems so abundant. So I was really interested in that sort of stuck feeling of saying that you're going to do something for sure and not doing that thing. Next year, for sure, we'll do that. We're too busy this year, but next year, for sure.
0: I think a lot of people can relate to, to that for sure. Um, mm-hmm. You said you, you missed the characters. Does that mean uh, you're done writing about them, or is there a way as an author? Can you bring them back?
1: I I do think about revisiting these characters, um, But I've sort of committed to myself that I'm not going to do it for at least 10 years. I'm going to wait, give them 10 years to sort of breathe and grow and then come back and see where they're at. I'm not sure that they're totally done. Um, But, yeah, I have other things to do in the meantime.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, congratulations on the nomination. And thank you so much for joining us and chatting with us this morning.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a real pleasure.
0: You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at CKNW.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD 2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.